back in the swing of things, baby. <laughs> Took you long enough. Yeah, you know, man. Back at it again. Mark Figueroa is in the building. Jagasai is in the building. Around the Post, a.k.a. the ATP Podcast, episode 20-something. We're getting up there, close to the 3-0. And um, last week was a good week, man. I enjoyed last week. I'm hoping uh, this week is just as good. What do you have for us, man? We have a lot of players winning their first title. Shavabalov, Murray wins first title. We have Coco Goff losing in the first round after winning her first title. We have uh, Nadal news and Kyrgios trolling Nadal. Mm. Mm, Interesting. I'm always here for that. But first, let's start with Coco Goff. Coco (sighs) Goff wins uh, her first title in Austria. Mm-hmm. The very next title, the next, sorry, the very next tournament she enters, she loses in the first round. Mm. What do you think about that? It's okay. It's okay. Um, I think we kind of had a conversation about consistency of the schedule and, you know, just physically and mentally performing at a high level, tournament in, tournament out, over and over. There's no way she's going to be doing that just yet. That's really hard to do. Um, kudos to her for pulling off a tournament this year. I did not see that coming. And um, I think that, you know, if she finishes the year just with the ac- accomplishment she's done, she's had a great year for her age. Fair enough. So, so you're not worried at all? You think she'll do great in 2020? Um, I think great is a bit of an exaggeration. I think she'll be successful in 2020. I'm not on the Coco Golf train like everyone else is. But I do think she's a professional athlete, and we'll see more of her next year winning. And we won't see her dominating. I don't see that happening. Okay. After that loss, her team said, that's enough for the year. We're done. Hmm. So are you surprised by that? Yeah. um, I think that's a bit of an overreaction. Um, But there's also not a whole lot left this year. She's obviously not going to the WTA finals. And... How many other tournaments are there really when you're in the last swing of the year? Right. You know, I think it's good. You know, freshen up, train, get the mind clear, come back because you have a big need, a big year next year. You got some points under your belt now. You can qualify into tournaments and slams. Maybe a break is best. Fair enough. Now going on to Yelena Ostapenko. She's the one who lost to Coco Goff in that final. Mm-hmm. In the press conference, she didn't come out and say, I don't appreciate losing to this girl, mm. but I'm going to tell you what she said, and then you tell me. Mm. This was a awful loss, mm. and I just didn't play my best, but this was an awful loss. What would you take from that comment? That means she expected, she, she sees herself as a better athlete than Goth. That's what that means. Bottom line, um, if I go out into a match don't win, and my press conference is me saying this was awful, that is a clear indication that I'm not happy with the way I performed. I know I'm better than that. And, you know, it's not a slight to your opponent on the other side of the court, but it's you saying I'm greater than what was put in front of me. That's all. Right. And I think that she she worded it okay, you know. Okay. I mean, there's definitely matches where we see players go, you know, they were the better player or I was outplayed. But we also see matches where people criticize themselves because they know how great they should be. We see that from Serena and Federer a lot. Um, it's okay. I, I'm not mad at it. 
the reason why I brought it up was because of that comment. And the very next tournament she entered, she won. Mm-hmm. So she backed it up. Right. And she was not upset about she 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 was upset about losing to Coco Goff. So mm-hmm. she did something about it. As she should. So congratulations to her. Now moving on to the men, the new Davis Cup format. Hold on. The- Time out. Let's talk about old Davis Cup. Okay. A little bit. What is Davis Cup? Davis Cup is a international uh, tournament. It's like it's like countries versus countries, Correct. right? Correct. It's been around since the early 1900s, basically. Jeez. And it was altered mm. because it was um, being played uh, uh, yearly, or, yeah. uh, towards the year, basically. And the top players wouldn't play because well, it was they, throughout the year, throughout wasn't the year, it? Yes, yeah. throughout the year. And uh, the top players wouldn't play because they just didn't want to fit in their schedule. Yeah. So now what the people did, the ITF, uh-huh. what they did is they have a qualifying uh, round, and uh-huh. that's early in the year. And then whoever qualifies, they have a knockout round, basically. It's mm-hmm. a four-day event, and whoever wins that wins the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So do you think that the new format of the Davis Cup is wise? Uh, let's put it this way. We are watching in sports. There's a lot of there's there's one format that we recognize is extremely successful with sports, and that is formed unionized leagues where all professionals agree to be in one place, committed and competing for common titles and goals. Right. Davis Cup deviates from that because Davis Cup is not technically a part of the ATP. Right. Right. ATP doesn't give you ranking points. Um, you don't get these titles or accolades decorated across your record in the ATP. And you have to be around the world in different places to compete in this tournament. Um, on top of that, us as spectators, we like consistency and high stakes. Right. So, you know, if Federer losing this doesn't affect his ranking in the next tournament, what does it really mean to us, you know? So, with all that being said, I think that them altering it to be more concentrated will make it so that players are more willing to accommodate their schedule to just a, t- a week right. versus scattered dates throughout an entire year. Um, spectators are going to be able to get more invested because now we remember yesterday this happened, which means today this can happen, which may lead to tomorrow versus last month. What? Who won? Wait, mm, what's the draw? I'm on Google, you know? So I think that a more concentrated format will make it easier to view Maybe even give them opportunities for contracts with people like Amazon Prime, Netflix, ESPN Go, where they can sell their programming to a streaming service and maybe we can watch it that way. It's the future, you know? Right. Things have to be faster paced and more easily accessible. If they're not easy to digest, we don't care anymore. So I think it's a good thing. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to talk about the teams. All I will say is that Team Spain has everybody coming everybody and they're they're most likely the favorites um let me ask you this though before you go too far um there are a few other countries that we know have great athletes all sharing one flag yes Uh, how's australia look do you know oh good point curio oh yes thank you very much Mm. curios was sort of banned from davis cup excellent and uh (laughs) he sort of called leighton hewitt who's australia's captain Uh. and said Please, please let me back in uh-huh. because they had a big fallout. Uh-huh. And Leighton Hewitt said, 
Okay. So, according to Leighton Hewitt, Nick Kyrgios will play in Davis Cup. Okay. That, once again, more stakes, more ratings, more entertainment. I'm more engaged now. Uh, what about Switzerland? That's where Stan Wawrinka and Roger Federer are. Right. Uh, they Federer and Wawrinka will not join Davis Cup. Jeez. Um, what other countries do we know with major uh, breadwinners? Zverev, Germany. He okay. will not play. Mm. Uh, Sissy Pass, I believe, will. And uh, Djokovic, Serbia, will play for Davis Cup. Okay, okay. Do we know anything about the United States and Davis Cup? Uh, they're probably just going to bring their uh, the team, Isner, Sock, the Bryan brothers. That's a probably. decent team. Yes. That's a decent team. Right. Okay, well, uh, we'll look forward to Davis Cup then, and uh, we'll see how that goes because sounds like they're – they're getting a wake-up call from Laver Cup, uh, right. ATP Cup. You yes. know, they're getting a slap in the face and realizing we need to make some changes because people are filling a void that we weren't. Yes, so, that's a good point. And yeah. I think that that's what made them say, okay, look, we have to do something mm. because this has been going on for years. Yeah. And we can't just they're throw it away. They're about to get broken, yeah. Right. So moving on, Yanko Tipsarevich for – a person that really, really follows tennis, we mm. know who he is, but for a common person, that just average person who just doesn't watch tennis at all, mm. he retired this uh, uh, month. Mm. He was mostly known for playing for Serbia, winning a Davis Cup for Serbia. Mm. He made it to two quarterfinals, and he reached a high ranking at number eight. Yeah, he was a good player. Do you think uh, he had a good career? Yeah, he had a very good career in a very tough era. I think Tipsarevic was consistently in big draws for the majority of his career. And uh, for a guy that, in my opinion, didn't have major weapons, this guy was a solid athlete. Um, he did a really good job. He was definitely a bit of a star, although he was in the shadow of Djokovic being from Serbia. And I think that he's part of the reason Serbia had a – an all-star lineup coming out of their country for Davis cup and stuff like that. Right. So, yeah, I think that hall of fame, probably not, but you know, just under that, you know, yeah, very memorable, yeah. very memorable player. So he had a good career and hopefully he finds what he wants to do in retirement. Mm. Now moving on to first, Dennis Shabovalov won his, his first title. Are you, do you think that he can build something from that? Uh, it was long overdue. Uh, we are starting to see players that we would consider maybe newer than him succeed more than him, although we do see a high potential cap with him. So I think that this was a very important moment for his morale to make him go, okay, I got that out the way. Got the first one. I don't have to worry about all these youngsters that are just below me, you know, breathing on my back. I can look out ahead now and, you know, really start gunning and playing big tennis. And I, I'd say expect one or two titles out of him next year. Do you expect him to win a Masters 1000 or a 500 event? 500 for sure. Not a 1000. Okay. Fair Not enough. Not yet. Okay. Moving on to Andy Murray. Mm. He wins his first title. Mm. Big relief. He was crying in his press conference. It meant a lot to him. Mm -hmm. He beat Stan Wawrinka, who mm. is on fire. Yeah, Stan he made it to the, what was it, quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, mm -hmm. quarterfinals of the French Open. Mm -hmm. He is a monster this year. Yeah. Do you think Andy Murray is back? 
Yes and no. Yes, in the aspect of I think that the tactician that is Andy Murray is back to having a singles mentality again and a winner's mentality on the court. I don't think we saw peak performance Andy Murray yet. I think it's coming now. Um, we're seeing him be sharper mentally, more aggressive, shot making, tactics are there. I don't see the speed at 100% yet, and I don't see the risk taking quite there yet either. But I think those things come with reps. And the the fact he got a tournament this quickly blows me away, which it just speaks to his Hall of Fame athlete, athleticism. So I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm impressed. Um, I think that as long as he maintains his health, we're going to see probably five or six titles from him next year. So Andy Murray has struggled a lot. Mm-hmm. In 2018, it was his first year that he didn't win a title at all. Mm-hmm. He had his first hip surgery in 2018. Mm-hmm. In 2019, he told the people that after Australia, he was going to retire from tennis. Mm-hmm. He had the hip surgery then as well, another one. Mm-hmm. Then comes back in, what was it, uh, Cincinnati. What was it, August? Yeah. For singles. Right. And then wins a uh, tournament in doubles. September. Yes, in, in doubles. Yeah. And then finally went to singles tournament in September. Yeah. So I would agree with you. That is a very fast timeline. Mm. And he actually won faster than I thought. Mm. And yes, it was a 500 event, mm. but that 500 event was loaded. Yeah. So I'd like to congratulate him for that for sure. Yeah. I mean, these are not, you know, blowing smoke up your skirt wins. You know, he's playing major ball players out there on the tour in these tournaments. We've seen him play team. We've seen him play Murray. We've seen him play everyone but the big three on big stages, and he looks good. So I have high hopes for him next year. Fair enough. Now moving on to Nadal and Djokovic. A lot of tournament directors are not happy with those guys right now. Mm. They are going to have an exhibition around this time Mm. to raise money for – Something. I don't remember what it was exactly. Mm. And um, tournament directors are not happy because they're going to skip those tournaments. Mm. Tournaments directors are saying there's an off season for that stuff. Mm. You guys can't be skipping these mandatory uh, tournaments. Mm. Nadal said, well, we have permission and we can do it because we've asked for permission. Yeah. Um, the CEO of the ATP said we gave them permission a long time ago, so they're clear. Mm. The tournament directors are saying... I understand that you gave them permission, but they shouldn't have this permission. Yeah. What would what do you think about that? Um, I gotta say, these guys not being at a tournament does significantly affect their uh, ticket sales. I don't blame them for being upset. It's a uh, bottom line is these guys need to be at the major tournaments. I'm not sure which ones they're missing, but I don't blame the tournament directors for being upset at all. And the players aren't to blame for that, you know, because players skip what they want to skip. It's up to the ATP to determine if they can or not. So the fingers should be pointed at the ATP. And, yeah. Are you okay with them doing the exhibition during tournament time? I'm going to be honest, no. Um, I don't think so. I think that these pros do have requirements they need to meet. And the fans have an expectation. You know, fans are buying tickets eight months in advance for some of these tournaments with the expectation of this is a certain level event. And a certain level of players are supposed to be there. These players don't show up. Those fans are upset about coming back next year. Tournament directors are upset about this year. A lot of people are losing out because they want to do something during a time they're not supposed to do it. Right. I know their intentions are good, but that's where the ATP needs to come in and be the middleman. That's okay. why you exist. You know. 
they're gonna miss uh, tournaments in Paris mm. and a couple in uh, Portugal. Okay. So that's why they're upset about that. Mm. Now, congratulations to Rafael Nadal. Mm. He got married this weekend. Whoop, whoop. Big wedding. Uh, royalty was there. The wow. Spanish uh, king and queen was there. Wow. Um, Davis Cup team, all of uh, Spanish tennis players that are well-known were there. Mm. So congratulations to them. Um, Nadal was dating this girl for 14 years mm. and finally put a quote-unquote ring on it. What Woo-hoo. do you think about that? Um what you waiting for, man? What took so long? Jeez, man. Um, I want to give a lot of credit and just due to a very patient woman who waited this long for this guy who uh, might have almost as many slams as years he waited to get married, which is a really wild statistic. Um, Never looked at it that way. Yeah, so uh, it's okay, girl. Don't worry. He's, he's trying to he's just didn't want you to catch up to a slam count. Uh, that's all it was. But yeah, so good for both of them. I don't think this will do anything for or against Nadal's tennis matches or game. And I'm sure he was happy prior. He'll be happy later. Good for him. He seems to be a one mental type person. Mm. Whenever he looks at something, he does that. Mm. And he doesn't really let something else interfere with that. Right. So he should be fine. Mm. Now let's go to Nick Kyrgios. Mm. The same day that... Nadal got married. Mm-hmm. He posted something on Instagram. Uh-oh. He posted the second round match where Kyrgios went right at Nadal mm-hmm. at the net and put mood on it. What do you think about that, Jeb? Why? Why, man? <laughs> That's so petty. That's just very petty and childish. And um, I don't think Nadal was even thinking about Kyrgios. You know, this is his special day, so... It's amusing for uh, fans, but, you know, tennis fans in particular are not very happy with this kind of stuff. You know, they don't like it. So, Kyrgios, you're triggering people. Um, You're not making more fans by doing this. Relax, man. Put the gun away. You know, sit back and chill. He could have had a lot of uh, more fans with what happened last week with the car accident and and all those trolls messages if he would have just hung around but mm-hmm. i guess that's just not curios's um uh, mentality he doesn't care at all and that's part of his appeal also you know so i'm not judging him or telling him what he should or shouldn't do as long as he can play great tennis that's the important factor he's a professional athlete remain a professional athlete what you do off the court just don't hurt anybody don't do anything stupid a few jokes and trolls you want to crack on someone go for it i'm okay with that do you think it's wise to put fire in the Nadal Kyrgios rivalry by him doing that? Oh yeah, because that's just gonna make Nadal wanna bury him. And we saw how fired up Nadal was last time. So I mean, I hope they meet each other again very soon. And I hope that they meet each other on fast courts. Where it's even. <laughs> or yeah, well, it'll be even, yeah. I wanna see a, a really high stakes match where anyone can win. Fair enough. Last piece of news, Kei Nishikori, he split from his coach, Dante Bertani. Mm-hmm. He was an ING Academy coach for 25 years. Mm-hmm. He's been coaching Kei Nishikori for 15 years. Sheesh. And Nishikori this year said, okay, uh, we've had it. Uh, you helped me a lot, but I think I need to hear a new voice. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that split? 
That's a tough one. You know, uh, this is the guy who created, I believe, what was called Project 50 with Kaney Shikori in the very beginning, where their base goal was just get Kaney Shikori in the top 50. Get this guy somewhat successful because Japan had never seen a guy at that level, you know, period. And um, Japan likes tennis, bottom line. They are fans of the sport and didn't have someone to idolize. This is someone who helped propel that projection and make it happen and ascend way beyond it into the top 10. We saw this guy in the Grand Slam final under this coach. We saw this guy beating major players under this coach, and they brought in Michael Chang. Right. Um, so we've seen only, in my opinion, great things from this coach outside of Nishikori injuries. So this is a surprising uh, turn of events. I don't know how I feel about it, but I think that you know there must be something we don't know about if the split happened because he's shown a great track record with Nishikori. Now, Michael Chang was added, and I believe – 14, mm. he's still coaching Kei Nishikori. So he's mm. part of the coaching yeah. uh, team still. Mm. <clears throat> now, this is extremely interesting. It's been rumored that Kei Nishikori split with his coach via Instagram. Wow. We do know uh, a lot of players have been doing that lately. Mm. It was rumored that Osaka did that with Sasha Bayan. Mm. What do you think about that mentality? <sighs> I don't want to even it's call true. it a mentality. I don't want to call it a mentality. I want to call it a new age. Um, we're seeing this happen on both ends of the spectrum here. I've heard about NBA players finding out that they got traded or drafted via the internet on social media before they actually find out from management or agents. I hear about teams, you know, losing players, players retire, you know, all kinds of things. And it leaks on the internet as news before real life. Um, it's interesting to hear that something that could have been communicated easily one-on-one from one person to the other is also doing that, but I'm not surprised. I think that you're going to see more of it. I think you're going to see people writing long Instagram captions about the whole reason why I'm no longer a part of this team and the team's finding out just along with the Instagram followers at the same time. Uh, we'll see more of this. A lot of people are afraid of confrontation. A lot of people are poor with communication and you know maybe they'll have someone write their captions for them on instagram to announce it so yeah obviously the old school mentality is why don't you just tell me in person yeah you know that's just mm. uh you don't have character by not doing that etiquette professionalism right. exactly. you know you're a multimillionaire. exactly what's the deal man right so i'm shocked but yeah. if true mm. it's a rumor if true mm. now kenny shikori also ended his season mm. he will have um it's either wrist or elbow surgery mm. on his uh, either elbow and or wrist. Mm. He said he may not come back for the Australian Open if it doesn't heal fast enough. Mm. Are you surprised by that? No. This guy is a piece of paper out there. It's, things are always ripping and tearing and breaking. You know, Nishikori's whole body has had surgery at some point. You know, knees, hips, ankles, wrists, elbows. He's had shoulder problems. This guy... He breaks easy, you know, and uh, I'm just happy he's had the career he's had considering because he's faced the worst of the worst. Okay. Uh, moving on to the Forbes list, Federer, Djokovic, and Nishikori are the top three players, male tennis players, in the Forbes list. Nishikori is above Nadal, 
by two million. Oh man! Now you have to think. Nishikori has not won a slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nadal has won two titles, a bunch of Masters one thousands, mm-hmm. and Nishikori still has two million dollars more than Nadal this year. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised by that? No, I am not surprised by that at all, and it doesn't surprise me either. Let me tell you why, though. Long story short, where is Nishikori from? Japan. Japan. Where is Naomi Osaka abandoning her American flag for? Japan. Now, we also just uh, recently had a discussion. They created Project 50 because Japan has never had an iconic tennis player for a country that loves tennis. This guy has an actual country fully backing him. Fully developed country with money, you know, with spectators, ready to go. And on top of that, you also have to keep in mind there is another continent of Asian people that are living vicariously through this fellow Asian athlete as well. This is a guy who's got billions of people all showing one spotlight on one star Asian athlete. You know, he's the only male tennis player to go to a um, a, a final a U.S. Open final. Um, this guy is, I think he's the only male Asian player to reach the top 10 in tennis. Yeah, yeah, that could be right, yeah. I believe so. I could be making that statistic up. Actually, Shrishipan, he was from Thailand. Mm. I believe he made the top 10. Okay. I, I'd have to look it I up. I should say Japanese. Okay. Japanese. I, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, this is no surprise to me. This is a guy who... Every, you got to keep in mind how many major companies come out of Japan. And they're all endorsing one of two people. Naomi Osaka or Kani Shikori. That's it. The Asian market is powerful. There's no other continent with more people on it than the Asian continent. This is a major market. And I mean... I, it's hard for me to imagine anyone not wanting to tap into this market. And it's part of why, as petty as I want to be, I can't really hate Naomi Osaka. Because, you know, she's tapping into a massive market with a good cost. You know, she's going out there playing hard, training hard, and she is half Japanese and loves the culture. So, yeah, I mean, what do you have to say about that? I, I agree. I mean, it's the biggest market in the world. I mean, yeah. Asian people population wise over 1 billion people yeah and it's a big market you know Mm -hmm. now moving on to some pop pop culture news Mm -hmm. uh this has nothing to do with tennis but with what we just said Mm -hmm. and what happened in basketball Mm -hmm. with the lebron and and the nets owner and all that Mm -hmm. once upon a time in hollywood have you seen that movie it's a quentin tarantino movie i saw it in theaters okay Quentin Tarantino was about to release that movie in China. Mm-hmm. He was this close. Mm-hmm. But there was a scene where they mocked Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Shannon Lee did not appreciate that. She said she went to the Chinese film people and said they can't release this. The Chinese people agreed and they said if you fix this scene to where uh, Bruce Lee is not mocked. Mm-hmm. You can put it in the. We'll release it in China. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, would you're you're an artist, right? Yeah. Would you change a lyric 
in order to go to a different market? Um, so for me, this will have to do with how well established the artist is. So I'm obviously a less established artist than most. Um, if someone told me, I will allow you to tap into the biggest market on earth and all you have to do is make a change, however you can make the change, you decide how, just make it happen. Probably going to make the change. Okay. Um, now, if I'm a well-established artist, my movie already has profited, I've made my money back and then some, and someone says, change it or we don't want it, I might be a little more stingy with my art. You know, I might go as far as saying, you know what? We'll keep that in mind for the next film. This time around, if you guys want to see it, figure it out. You know, I might go that far. So with Tarantino, I feel like he he's a bit more of a niche artist. He's more passionate about his works. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't send out a version out there. Or I would understand maybe if he just cuts the scene, but I can't imagine him changing the scene. Fair enough. Yeah, at best, I can imagine it being cut. Now with Django... There was bootleg versions mm. throughout, but this one was so close, mm. and he's never been in the, the Chinese market. Uh-huh. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now this is the funny part. Shannon Lee and Tarantino were jibing at each other. Mm. Tarantino said from that scene, Bruce Lee is a cocky individual. Mm. He walks and talks as if he's a gift to humanity. Uh-huh. Basically, Shannon Lee responds by saying, you're just the third rate director person. What do you think about that comment? Shannon Lee said he's third rate. Yeah. This is a top tier elite director. Elite. We're talking about a guy who's in a lot of people's top 10 directors on Earth. You know, um, that's debatable, but it's understandable. So she's definitely... Uh, talking out the side of her mouth here um she's getting defensive and sensitive and emotional fully understandable but nonetheless chill relax um it's gonna happen you know when you become famous you get exploited bottom line bruce lee is probably the biggest martial artist in history in terms of popularity of course people are going to hype him up in some things and disgrace him and others. We've seen Quentin Tarantino appreciate Bruce Lee in previous films. I think in Kill Bill, they have the female wearing the Bruce Lee jumpsuit. Right. You know, that's a salute. That's a compliment. In this film, making fun of him a little bit. It's art. It's entertainment. Sometimes it's parody. Sometimes it's celebration. She should really relax. It's not a big deal. He's the most revered martial artist yeah. on earth, especially in in Asia for sure. Mm-hmm. So he sort of messed up there a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I was having conversations and I believe that as Bruce Lee was alive, mm-hmm. he'd laugh it off. Yeah. And say, hey, this is cool, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So as you stated, I think Shannon Lee does need to calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she's just has it up there for some reason. Yeah. And certain things are now happening because of this. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bruce Lee Academy in Hong Kong are, is opening up again after 50 years of being shut down. Wow. Uh, the house is being sold or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so this this uh, thing that's happening is just massive. <sighs> so I hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, we'll see you next week if you enjoy.
next time, ATP Podcast.